Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Church, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 11 today. If you want to grab your Bible, or hopefully, maybe you got the uh, online listening guide. Today, I want to begin with some encouraging news. It's not the good news, but it is some good news. Uh, it looks like, and I saw this the other day as I dug for it in the news, it looks like we're on the other side of the COVID 19 curve in the state of Texas. It is finally bending down. That is the number of cases. And I am not telling you today that we are out of the woods or that it is over, but where we are right now is much better than where we were about a month ago. And so praise God for that. Somebody say, praise God. We can see, we can see light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. Now, that said, what we've done at church now is we've started to plan our return to in-person services. Not going to happen next week. Probably not the Sunday after, but if this trend continues, this is the important curve right here. If this continues, it will be soon. And I want to go on record today and just tell you that I am so, <laughs> I'm so ready to get back together as a church family. I'm so ready. And I know many of you are as well. If you're not, as always, uh, from now until Jesus comes back, we're going to be able to stream and we'll stream our services to you so that those of you who live outside of our area or those of you who aren't comfortable being in an in-person service at this point in your life, uh, you can still be a part of our church family just like this. So that's, that's a good news that has come out of this. Uh, but if you want to be in an in-person worship service in the not-too-distant future, not too distant. I can't, I can't give you a specific date yet because we got to watch the curve. But if you want to be a part of it, you need to follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, if we don't have your email address, you're not getting church emails, um, uh, go to our website, newhopechurch.tv. You can see a link there. We can sign up to receive the email blast that we send out because we want you to be up to date, man, because when it is time, when it's time, we're going to press forward, and hopefully that time, according to the curve, is going to be very soon, all right, as long as this continues. Today, what we're going to do is this. We're going to conclude our series, Murder Hornets. We've used Murder Hornets as a sort of an analogy of how things just keep coming at us in this life. Our study has come from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 through chapter 5, and we're talking about how to thrive in uncertain times, which I believe is the truth that God can do more than just help us to survive. He can help us to thrive in uncertain times like right now. And it seems appropriate, and it lines up with the text today, that we should talk about in these uncertain times having viral faith, having viral faith. Now, I think that you probably know what something is that goes viral, what that means when something goes viral. And every now and then a, a video or a social media post will go viral, meaning people will see it and they will share it and comment on it. And soon it's seen, you know, millions and millions of times. Recently, at least the most recent viral video that I can think of as I was preparing this week is this one right here. <clears throat> These two brothers, 
these two brothers. Uh, I can't remember what their names are, Ted and Fred, something like that. But they recorded themselves listening to a Phil Collins song. Uh, the Phil Collins song was in the air tonight. They were listening to it for the first time. They recorded their reactions to it. <laughs> it, was, it was originally from 1981, which means it's an oldie. These two brothers are 22 years old, which means they aren't oldie, oldies. They're from, you know, 1998 or so. And uh, so they're reactions to the songs, the song was hilarious. And so their video, because of their hilarious reactions, their video has now been been viewed on YouTube over 4 million times, 4 million times, which is hilarious. But because of their viral video, this is what's shocking about all of this, because of their viral video just listening to the song, this 40-year-old song that once upon a time made it to either the, the top three or the top two songs all the way back in 1981, it is now, after 40 years, in the top 10 on the Billboard charts. <laughs> that, my, that, my friends, is what you call viral. That's viral. Now, let me tell you something about this movement that you and I are part of. It too is viral. It too is viral. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was speaking to a few of his close friends. They were on a mountain and Jesus said this to them. I've simplified it right here. Matthew chapter 28, he said to them, make disciples, make disciples. And they did. And for 2,000 years now, the only way people have made the decision to follow after Jesus is because someone else told them about Jesus or invited them to a church service where they were preaching Jesus, or they shared a church service on social media where they heard about Jesus, maybe for the first time. But if you think about it, the good news of Jesus Christ has spread from person to person to person contact over the past 2000 years. In fact, if you knew the stories of everybody who came before you, spiritually speaking, you could literally trace your spiritual lineage back to, you know, the person who told you about Christ or who introduced you to Christ or who invited you to something where you heard about Christ and they could trace their lineage back to the person before them, before them, before them, before them. And all of us share this same story that it would go all the way back to that mountain where Jesus told his friends this, make disciples, and, and, and perhaps maybe to the encounter that the apostle Paul had with Jesus himself, which is a, another avenue that maybe our faith would take at that point. But anyway, we can trace it all the way back to Jesus himself, which makes perfect sense. Because the good news of salvation about a relationship with God made possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ, with a church family all around us, it's all about relationships. It's something that is viral because of the person-to-person contact. So how do we keep this going? What I want to talk to you today about from, from this text, okay? From the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 11. We'll read it in just a second, but first I want to give you number one, how to keep it viral in these uncertain times. Faith goes viral when we fear God, not people. When we fear God, not people. And I know there are people in our world today who have a problem with that statement because they don't want to fear God. They want God to be their buddy or they want God to be a pushover, like an empty suit that they can fill up with any truth that they want to fill him up with. But let's preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth in church today. 
Yes, God is good. All the time, God is good. We said that last week. Yes, God loves us. Yes, God sent his only begotten son to die in our place on the cross. Yes, his mercy is out of this world and his grace is amazing. Yes, he wants to be our friend. But listen to me, God is still God. And you cannot shrink the God of the universe down to a stuffed animal size like someone who is only there for your comfort. Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 11. Paul says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to you and your conscience. So as written here, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. That's the motivator. Now, it's not the only motivator in the text, as we're going to see in just a few moments. And honestly, this would make sense if, if, if Paul said, since then, we know what the love of God is like, we try to persuade others. Since we know what the grace or the mercy of God is like, we try to persuade others. But he chose here in this first instance of motivators to talk about the fear of the Lord. That's because Paul knows what it's like to be on God's bad side. And he knows what happens to people who finished this life on God's bad side, not in God's grace. And so he says, I want to help as many people as possible to get on God's good side. That's why, because we know what it is to fear the Lord, we, we try to persuade other people to come into communion and fellowship with God. And that's this, this healthy fear, this healthy respect of God that all of us should have. Healthy fear makes us to, it helps us to make better choices helps us to make better choices. In fact, a healthy fear can motivate us to do the right thing. I'm going to give you a couple of for instances. One is this. I use electricity every single day, but I personally have a very healthy respect for electricity. I understand that there are consequences if you break the rules of properly using electricity. So I still use it every day, but underlying my use of electricity and how helpful it is in my life, there is this fear or this healthy respect that's ever present in my mind. So like when there's a, uh, you know, a thunderstorm, lightning storm at my house, I don't go out and run around the yard. <laughs> I stay in my house because I don't want to get struck by lightning, right? If there's a loose wire in my home or at the church, as there was one day back in the green room area, you know, I don't touch it. Uh, when I'm plugging something in, I don't touch my fingers to the two prongs that are going into the electrical socket because I don't want to get shocked. Um, if I see a, a wire down across the road after a storm, I don't drive over it. I don't touch it. I stay away from it. That's the healthy fear that I'm talking about. But a healthy fear does not keep me from engaging with electricity every single day. Same thing is true. Uh, another example here would be gravity. Okay. Gravity is a good thing. Gravity keeps us where we are. And this is actually a picture, if you don't recognize it, from the observation deck of the Empire State Building. Beautiful view up there. I don't think it's the best view in Manhattan, but it is certainly a good view. I say it's not the best view because you can't actually see the Empire State Building when you're in the Empire State Building. I think a better view is from the Rockefeller Center where you can see the Empire State Building, but that's a story for another day. But this area right here, even though you're 80 something stories up at this point, it is open above you. It's open above you. So the fence only goes up so high and then it has some barbs at the top so people won't try to climb it, but it is open on the top. 
It's open on the top, but it's completely safe. And it is safe to be right here. And it is safe for the same reason that can kill you if you are outside of this fence. What's that same reason? Gravity. Gravity, if you're here, keeps you here. If you're outside of the fence, gravity takes you another place. It takes you down. But if you're right here, gravity keeps you safe. But if you are, here's another shot of the Empire State Building. If you are outside of the fence, it's right here, and you're over here, okay? How many of you know this is a much different place to be? There's a much different result than from being right here and being right here. But, but listen to me, God, God, and I don't want to lead you astray here. God is not some force that just all of a sudden works against you or kills anything that gets out of line. That's not what God is. And this is where the grace of God comes in. If it wasn't for God's grace, we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead because many of us have been way outside of God's will. Somebody say amen if you agree with me on that. We've all been way outside of God's will, but God had grace and he had mercy on our souls. He gave us another chance. So what do we do with that? Uh, check this out. Not on the listening guide, but, but in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul says, Shall I go on sinning? So Paul knows what grace is about, but he says this, Shall I go on sinning? so that grace may abound. Like, should I just stay over here so that God can have more and more and more grace in my life? Should I do that? And then the apostle Paul answers his own question. He says, shall I go on sinning so that grace may abound? No, because if we know God's grace, we should want to live in God's will. If we know God's grace, we should want to live in God's will because there's this healthy respect or this fear of God. In fact, Jesus puts it into perspective when he says it this way. Check this out, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus says, people can only touch your body but God can touch your body and your soul. So if you're gonna have a healthy fear or respect of someone, that'd be your guy, the guy, the one who can take it all away. So if we get this right, if we have a, if we have a healthy fear of God, and if we, if we have this healthy fear of God, we won't wanna be outside of his will and constantly test him. And I'm gonna tell you something, the best news for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ today in these very uncertain times is this, when you are in God's will, he is on your side. When you're in God's will, he's on your side. Romans chapter eight, verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? You talk about, man, you talk about being able to thrive in uncertain times. Let me put it in the context of viral faith in the, in the time in which we are right now. You might be thinking, well, man, there's this anti-Christian bias that's out there and they've talked about it and we've seen it. And if you read enough, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you watch other than the mainstream uh, media and you read deeper, there's this anti-Christian bias that's going on in our world today. And maybe you're thinking, wow, if I say anything about Jesus or if I post anything about Jesus or about my faith in Jesus Christ, people will think I'm a fanatic and I don't wanna be a fanatic. I don't wanna get canceled. 
You know, after all, they're burning Bibles in Portland in the riots now. And I don't know if you saw that because the news buried that as well, but burning a sack of Bibles. And you can look at it on snoops.com if you don't believe me, it's there. And, uh, and maybe you think, ah, man, that's, that's the way the world thinks about Christians right now. I don't want to go viral. I want to stay under the radar. Let me remind you of something. If God is for us, who can be against us? With that in mind, do you fear people more than you fear God? Are you more worried about what people might think of you than you are concerned with what God thinks about you? Back to the text from 2 Corinthians. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since we know what it's like to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. So, you know, I, I have this overwhelming, healthy fear and respect for God. I know him. I know where to stand. I know where his amazing grace is and where that covering is in my life and where his favor is going to be. And so since I know that God is no joke, then me personally, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to continue to help others to know him by preaching his word. I'm going to do so in conversation. I'm going to do so in my posts on social media. I'm going to do so in my family. And I'm going to do so, and this is number two, if you're taking notes, with enthusiasm. Faith goes viral when we are enthusiastic about the message. When we are enthusiastic about the message. Enthusiasm works. It works. Um, I was thinking the other day when I was in high school, we had this uh, a carnival that would come to town, our little tiny town, town of about 7,000 people. And this same carnival would come to town every year around the 4th of July. And it was pretty awesome at first. And me and my buddies would go and hang out and enjoy and shoot baskets and win prizes and play the games and go on the rides that made you sick. And it was just a lot of fun for a small town. It was something to do. And, <clears throat> but there was one year, I remember it very distinctly, where we got bored. Me and my buddies got bored and, and we're walking down the midway and there wasn't a ton of people there. The midway <laughs> sounds grand, but we're walking down between all the rides and everything. And, and there wasn't a ton of people there. And it was just like, man, this is kind of lame. This is not good. And, and, and we came upon this haunted house, which really wasn't a haunted house. It was a, a you know, a trailer from a truck that had this cheesy mural on it about, you know, a haunted house and there was an entry door and an exit door at the other end. And there was a guy there taking tickets and no one was in line. No one was in it that we knew of. And so I said, let's just go in there, man. We got some tickets. Let's go in there. So we all paid our tickets, which ended up being about, I don't know, 50 cents or 75 cents a piece because each ticket was 25 cents. And so it was a big deal for us back then. And we all gave him, you know, the tickets and we went inside and immediately we realized how hokey it was because there's just a recording of, you know, like a ghost and then a maniacal laugh. And, and as we rounded the first corner, there was a, uh, a mask that looked like they could have purchased it at Walmart, you know, in the cheap section. And there was a red light blinking on it. <laughs> really? This is scary. This is terrible. Terrifying. Wow. And turned a corner and there was a rat, you know, a rubber rat on the floor with a light on it. And then the, the recording of somebody laughing or whatever. And, and it was just pretty much like that. And we made it to the whole way through and we were like, this is so stupid. I can't believe we wasted, you know, almost a dollar on this thing. Almost a, we've wasted money on this. And before we 
walked out of the exit, I just, I had this idea. I said, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. And so we stood by the exit and we, for about three minutes straight, we just started screaming at the top of our lungs and yelling at each other. And then we'd break out in laughter. And then we'd start yelling again and screaming again and just kept it up till we were just about hoarse for about three minutes straight, acting like we were having a good time inside of the haunted truck. <laughs> and when we walked out of the exit, guess what we saw? A line of people had formed to get in to the haunted house. Now, that's because nothing is more contagious than a satisfied customer. Now, we truly were crazy, but the Apostle Paul got accused of being crazy as well. Check this out, verse 12 and following. He says, we are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen. What is seen is a, is a, is a, is a reference to working for your salvation, people doing works. That's always the two big groups talked about in scripture uh, rather than what is in the heart. So what is seen is like a works based or thinking that you can get salvation by working for it rather than what is in your heart. That would be belief in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. And then in the next verse, he answers the question, uh, the accusations of those who think that he's nuts, okay? Verse 13, if we are out of our minds, the New Living Translation says, if we are crazy, as some say, it is for God. New, New Living Translation says, for God's glory. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. So for crazy, yeah, it's for God. If we're, if we're okay, it's for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Now, before this, back in verse 11, he said, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade people, but that's not the only motivator in the Christian life. It's just that fear of God. There's, there's this overwhelming truth about God that blindsides a lot of people who don't know him well. And I think most people, when they finally figure out that there is a God, that nothing is by chance, that this world wasn't created by chance, that, a, that there's a God who's large and in charge, the first reaction that a lot of people have is that they're just afraid of him. But our God, though powerful, is not against us. He is for us. And he proved that by sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, for us. And Paul says that love of Jesus actually does this. It compels us to speak. He's saying, I'm not crazy. I'm being compelled by the love of Jesus to speak. Verse 15 now. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse uh, 13 again now, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind it is for your glory. So for crazy is for God's glory. He, Paul, Paul was so enthusiastic about the message of Jesus that, that people thought he was nuts. He said, man, that's all that guy talks about. Just talks about Jesus, just preaches Jesus, just wants to tell people about Jesus. He gets beat up for talking about Jesus. He gets thrown in jail for talking about Jesus. That dude's a little bit crazy. And the apostle Paul says, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Meaning I'm gonna, 
I'm going to keep on living this. I'm going to keep on speaking this. I'm going to keep on being enthusiastic about this, which leads me to say, and I want to be very careful here. If, if we're not enthusiastic about Jesus, we're not enthusiastic about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Either we don't know him or we don't love people. We don't really know him. We don't really believe what he's done for us or we don't love people. I mean, think about this way. If you had the cure for COVID-19, like it's at your house in your closet and you knew it was there and you shut the door, but you knew that if you opened the door and you alerted somebody that they could come and get it and the entire world would be cured. No more people would die. People would be able to go back to work. Schools would start, you know, sports would be on again. Life would be different. We could gather in church again, praise God. And if you had the cure in your closet, but you shut the door and didn't share it, I would just say this, you must really hate people or you don't believe that it really works. Now, listen to me. We have something that really works and we have something that solves a bigger issue in people's lives, a bigger issue than COVID-19. We can solve the issue of people's salvation. We can solve the issue of where they're gonna spend eternity because we have the cure and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just saying today, hopefully I'm making sense. I, you're not amening me, you know, like to my face, so I can't tell if you're getting it. But I'm just saying, we got the cure, man. We ought to be enthusiastic about it. No matter what the world says, do we fear God? Do we fear man? Or you know, Do we have that healthy respect? Are we saying it, even though people might think that we're crazy? Are we enthusiastic about it? Because if we truly believe it, we're going to be enthusiastic. Then number three. Number three, faith goes viral when we think eternity about people. When we think eternity about people. Uh, more than once, I've prayed for people. People have asked me for prayer for a loved one, a spouse, a child, a friend who does not know Jesus Christ. And more often than not, when somebody asks me to pray for somebody's salvation and for their soul, that request comes with tears from the person asking. Why? Because they get it. They get it. They know that in that person's life, eternity hangs in the balance. And when you realize that about people, that man, this is about eternity, it changes the way that you see people. In fact, look at verses 16 and 17. So from now on, Paul says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So Paul says, you know, uh, we used to do this with Jesus once upon a time. We thought it was no big deal. This is back before Paul believed. And uh, a worldly point of view would be just seeing the outward appearance only, would be considering someone's importance based on their earthly status or, you know, their a number of Instagram followers. It would be judging someone based on their, uh, their looks or their achievements or, you know, by human standards. Paul said, been there, done that. I'm over that now because of Jesus and what he's done for me. I've got this new perspective. And I'm just telling you guys, when we get this right, like our relationship with God, when we understand how much God has done for us 
in our lives, when we understand his salvation and the, the length that he went to to get us salvation, it's going to make a difference in this right here, the vertical, in the way that we see other people. When this is right, this will change. The way we see people changes. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This, my friends, is a major shift for most people. Most of us, when we, when we, when we see people, we see like, you know, hey, that guy's so tall, or that person's so short, or, um, you know, that, that person's thin, that person big bone, that person is nice, they were the waiter, the waitress we had so nice, or obnoxious, or doesn't care about their job, or whatever. We're making, we're making uh, judgments based on human standards. That person is well-dressed or not, that person is a different color, skin color than me. And I'm just telling you, when this happens, it is a major, major shift when we stop looking at the outside, judging people by human standards and start thinking of people as eternal beings created in the image of God and loved so much by him that he sent his only begotten son to this world to die in their place. That's a major shift, man. One of the things, and I tell you guys this on a regular basis, but one of the things I love so much about our church family is that we got people from every background. And we've had people that have gone through all kinds of things and been involved in all kinds of sin in their lives. But here we are together now, made new in Jesus Christ. We're part of this sin-cleansed, although in process, okay, sin-cleansed, eternal family now. And for each one of us, the story is similar. Once upon a time, somebody cared for our soul enough that they invited us to come to church, that they prayed for us when we were going through a dark time and it, it ignited something in us. When they asked about our soul and our relationship with Jesus and told us about what he had done for them. And in that moment, this happened. The old left and the new came. The old left and the new came. And that's us. That's me. And I love it. That's you. And I love it. I hope it's you. In fact, it can be you today. The old can be taken away. The new can come into your life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that. And then number four, if you are taking notes, is this. Faith goes viral when I accept my call. When I accept my call, I know pastors talk about getting the call to, to be in ministry. And I've heard, I've heard pastors say, I got my call when I was three years old. I started preaching when I was three and a half. You know, I'm like, okay, wow, that's impressive. Um, and I've had people ask me, not recently, but in the past, when did you receive your call to preach? And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I know when I accepted Christ and all that, I just, I don't know exactly when the call came. There wasn't a voice from heaven, but I'm preaching and it seems to be working out. So I'm just going to keep on doing it. Okay. But the truth is whether we're a pastor or not, every single person listening to me right now, every single person watching this service right now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in ministry. You've been called into ministry by almighty God. You say, prove that. Glad to. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and woe gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That 
God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you guys, this world, man, is going crazy, but we have what the world needs. And even though this world is whacked out right now, and honestly, you can kind of freak yourself out if you watch the news and you start thinking, man, what is going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to this world? And, and, and it especially kind of freaks you out when you say, what kind of world is this for my children or for my grandchildren? What kind of world are they going to grow up in? Let me give you some good news on that front right there, just so that you won't worry today. The good news about your children and your grandchildren is this, the same God who has been guiding us and providing for us right now is the same God who will be there for them. And the good news of Jesus will always be the good news of Jesus, that God is not counting our sins against us, but that because of Jesus and the cross, we can stand before God someday and be called the righteousness of God. That's awesome, man. Somebody recently asked me, you know, they're going to introduce me. They said, what, 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 what do we call you? Do we call you Pastor Tim? Do we call you Tim? And can you imagine, I just told him, just call me Tim. Just as long as you call me for dinner, call me, call me whatever you want to call me. But can you imagine if somebody asked me that question and I said this, uh, please just call me um, the righteousness of God. <laughs> it sounds kind of presumptuous, but it's true. Why is it true? Because he who had no sin, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, took on my sin took all of my sin, became sin for me and gave to me his righteousness. He who had no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God. You know what? The, the name for this series, Murder Hornets, okay? It was, it was kind of fun and all that, but it came from the fact that life is uncertain and we don't know what's gonna happen next. And about the time we think that everything's okay, boom, Murder hornets. But let me give you a little dose of truth behind the murder hornets headline. When I first saw the story come out, as I shared a couple times in the series, here's the picture that accompanied the story. <laughs> murder hornets attacking, obviously fake, obviously Photoshopped, and it's from uh, the birds by Alfred Hitchcock, like the movie poster. But this is what they, they wanted to do to us, to, to make us fear and get worried about everything. Uh, a group of very large hornets attacking a crowd of children. But I wanna show you the reality. This is the reality. This is from a story about murder hornets this past week. This is CBS News. This past week, okay? Juxtapose these two things, okay? This, as they wanted us to believe the reality was, and this. Washington officials capture their first, first, this is last week, their first invasive murder hornet with less than two months until mating season. So the article still tries to 
get us to fear because they, they caught the one and now they wanna, they wanna track it back to the nest. And if there's more, they wanna kill those other ones. So there's still gotta be a little bit of fear here. But you, you just think about this, the first one, it appears that previously they had only found one murder hornet in the United States and it was dead. But that one dead murder hornet is what started this flurry of news. And now they have one that's alive, just one, and I'm just telling you, it's not, I'm, I'm not saying this is fake news, but I will say today, this is baked, baked news, as in they're trying to make more out of it than it really is. And there are a lot of stories out there right now that are baked, that are intended to get us to cower in fear and to live our lives in fear. But let me leave you with the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth today, truth that will help you to thrive no matter what, even in these uncertain times. And we're gonna go back to verse 21 because I can't get enough of it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. In him, if you're in him, you're the righteousness of God, which begs the question today, are you in him? Have you put your faith in him for your salvation? Have you put your life in his hands? Are you trusting him and him alone to save you? Have you accepted the forgiveness for your sins and have your sins removed and replaced with his righteousness? If not, you can do so right now. And that's real news, the good news. I want you to bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your power that helps us to live even in these uncertain times. I pray, God, that you would help us to live enthusiastically and unapologetically for you. I pray that our faith would be viral, that it would draw others to you because, because we're not hiding it, Lord, because because we've taken the lamp that you've lit in our hearts and we're not hiding it under a bushel. We are putting it on a hill for all to see, Lord. I pray that we would do that with our faith. And uh, for those who are listening right now with, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, just let me, let me speak to those of you who maybe are not in Christ today, but that you are being drawn to Christ today, if the Holy Spirit, if you sense God knocking on the door of your heart right now, if that's you, I would encourage you right now in these moments to invite him in, accept his invitation to become one of his children, accept the salvation that he died on the cross and rose again to purchase for you, accept him and what he did for you, and you do so by faith. Put your faith in him today. You don't have to know everything. And you don't have to have huge faith. You just have to have a mustard seed of faith. Put that little bit of faith in him today. Turn your life over to him and listen to me. The old will leave and the new will come and God's Holy Spirit will come and take up residence in your life and begin the process of turning you into something beautiful and something new, turning your life around for his glory. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace. Thank you for any and all who right now are making that decision in their heart of hearts to follow after you. I pray this, Lord, in your son's name. And all the people said, amen. Okay, well, here's the deal. 
If you made a decision today or if you need prayer today, I want you to do this. You can text the word prayer to 642-123. Text the word prayer to 642-123. You will receive uh, a text back that'll give you two links. One is for prayer. The other one is if you made a decision, whichever one applies to you, you click that link, you answer a couple of questions and there will be somebody real on the other end who will engage you, who will help you, who will encourage you, who will pray for you. And uh, we, we, we would love, we would love to hear from you today if you have made a decision. If you're outside the United States, go to our website, send us an email, okay? So uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, you can also sign up for uh, email blast on our website. Uh, it's been a joy having you in church today. I pray that God blesses you in a big way that you continue to thrive even in these uncertain times. Please pray for me, pray for our leaders here at church as we make decisions on going back to in-person gatherings in the not too distant future and to do it right and to do it safely and to do it in God's time, okay? I love you guys so much. Hope that you can join us on Tuesday for our TNT devotional at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Hope that you can be there. I'll see you then. God bless. Love you. Bye-bye. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.